You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, athleticsfarm.com editor-in-chief, Bill Moriarty. And today I'm going to be joined by Athletics Nation editor and San Francisco Examiner contributor Alex Hall for a little mid-season minor league roundup of the A's system, as well as some of the team's top prospects. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Alex. Hey, thanks a lot, Bill. How you doing? Good. It's good to have you here with me today so we can uh, chew over what's going on in the A's minor league system as we reach the halfway point. Of course, I think the biggest story in the A's minor league system is all these talented pitching prospects who are returning from injury at this point. And we all know the A's, the A's could use some pitching help right now. And uh, they've got some really talented pitchers getting back on the mound in the minor leagues. And I think the one that, that is of greatest interest to everyone has got to be uh, Jesus Lazardo, who just, uh, you know, who just made his first appearance at AAA recently. That's right. We got a, 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 like you say, a long list out of our community prospect list, top 30 from the preseason on Athletics Nation. Eight of those pitchers either missed last year with injury entirely, or they began this year injured and only just recently debuted or went on the deal at some point. And uh, the good news is that seven of them are back. And like you said, Luzardo was that top one opening the year as a top prospect on just about any list you see uh, preseason of the A's farm. Um, What's been nice to see with him is, well, really with with a lot of them, is uh, uh, not just the results, but but the stuff coming back and hearing about Luzardo with his velocity being up where you would expect it to. Um, and then beyond that, uh, you know, we haven't learned a whole lot from the results because those first couple of games came down in, uh, you know, high A instead of in the upper minors, which is where he had been development-wise. But at least while he was down there, it was nice to see him striking out the world. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, in his first start at uh, at uh, Las Vegas, I mean, he, he, he really had the velo going. I mean, he, he did hit one pitch, hit 100 miles an hour on the stadium gun, and a number of pitches hit 92, no, I'm sorry, 99 miles an hour on the stadium gun. Now, the stadium gun might be a little on the high end, I'm, I'm guessing, but still, that, that's a pretty nice showing in his first effort there at Triple yeah. Now, uh, you know, of course, the question when you've got the top prospect and he's now back up in AAA is when are we going to see him in Oakland? And I mean, he's still, of course, working his way up to, to full length outing. So he hasn't fully stretched out yet. But beyond that, it sounds like it's going to take more than just reputation for him to get up. That's something that Bob Melvin addressed uh, before one of the games on the last homestand that he's still going to have to put up results in AAA. He's not just going to get the call because he's Luzardo and he's ready to, you know, and he's stretched out. He's going to have to put up some good games because, I mean, when he got up there last year, at the end of a long season, I think he was hitting a career high in innings, and he he did get uh, knocked around a couple of times, you know, in the Pacific Coast League, which is a thing that happens, right? But the fact is, you know, the the data points that you had from, from what four starts at the end of last year was 
you know, a couple of them he really got knocked around. And so he still does have to prove himself at that higher level, you know, before you want him to to, to go up and, and face the major league uh, hitting for the first time. Yeah, I think they're going to try to extend him out to five innings in his next outing and, you know, probably slowly, slowly extend him each time. But, yeah, he's going to, you know, obviously he's talented. He's going to have to, you know, pitch well and show he can, he can you know, uh, execute there at the AAA level before they're ready to call him up. But he's probably the closest one to being ready to come up and, and really make a difference um, at the major league level as soon as he is ready. The other, um, you know, interesting one to think about is A.J. Puck because he's pitched a few games at high A Stockton. But he's now getting moved up to double um, uh, A Midland. He's probably going to make his first uh, appearance there, I think, June, around June 27th, 8th, 9th, something like that. So he'll be pitching at double A before the end of June anyway. <laughs> And again, just just like we're saying with Lizardo, but even more so, really, you know, Puck coming back from Tommy John surgery. I mean, the first thing when that guy gets back on the mound, you want to know was tell me how hard he's throwing, tell me how much of that stuff that he had before made it through to the other side of this surgery and recovery. And the answer seems to be all of it. Um, you know, we've seen pitchers before come back from Tommy John and they've lost a few miles, and sometimes losing that few miles, you know. Uh, makes them not the pitcher they were before right. and really lowers that stock. Uh, you know, I mean, the obvious one that comes to mind for A's fans is Dylan Overton, who, you know, threw very hard in college and then came out, you know, the other side of Tommy John and, and you know, was kind of a soft tosser after that. AJ yeah. Puck, on the other hand, sounds like he's already coming back in the mid 90s where he was before. I mean, that doesn't mean he's going to throw 99, you know, throughout an entire start. Um, but the, just the fact that he can still get there and he can still sit in those mid 90s for at least a few innings kind of gives you the idea that what he had before is still there and it's just a matter of getting back out there and shaking the rust off and and you know, working back into it and everything. But at least the tools are still there that he had before. Yeah, the, the reports I have are that his fastball has basically been sitting between 95 and 97 miles an hour at Stockton, which is great to see right out of the gate after not having thrown for over a year, you know. So at least he's he's still got the power there in that arm anyway. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and along the way, you know, you'll see him give up a couple of home runs at high A or whatever. But, I mean, the results right now are, are not that important to me. I mean, it, like I said, it's nice to see Luzardo striking out everyone in high A. You would hope that that would be the case. But, again, the, the thing that's more important to me is to see, hey, you know, like you say, right out the gate, you know, first time you pitch in over a year, yep, you can still throw a 99. Good. <laughs> that's what I need to know for now. And then, you you know, and then take some time and, and work back into it, and we'll see who you are in a month or two. Yeah, no, it definitely makes you feel good when you see that below there anyway. Well, now that he's joining Midland, he's joining a couple of other pitchers who are on the road back there, uh, Dalton Jeffries and Grant Holmes, who've both been throwing pretty well of late uh, as well. Yeah, and boy, Jeffries has been, uh, maybe of this entire list that we're going to go through of, of these seven or eight guys, Jeffries might be the most impressive one right now. Um, he's been almost a forgotten man on this list because he just hasn't really pitched yet, you know, drafted at the same time as Puck uh, in 2016, right up there, you know, the end of the first round in that comp round. And, you know, what he's thrown a couple of dozen innings before, uh, before he went down and it was his own Tommy John took him two years to come back. And so we just, you know, haven't really seen much of him at all in, in, the, in the pros. And then all of a sudden he comes back and he's just dynamite from, from, you know, from the get go breezes through high A Stockton in just a few games and gets up to double A. And the stat that I keep coming back to with him that I just can't believe is he's faced 128 batters so far. Sorry, 136 batters so far 
and he's only walked two of them. Right. And those both came just in the last couple of games. I think he went. I think it was like his 110th batter in Double A was the first one that he walked. Yeah. Um, now command control that was always a big part of his scouting report. You know, he had good stuff, but he wasn't throwing 99 like Puck. He was he was placing it where he wanted. You know, at a, at a more you know normal speed. And so to see, you know, to see that also coming back, not just after Tommy John, but after that particularly long recovery, because again, like I said with Puck, you know, hey, tell me how hard he's throwing. Well, also tell me, can he still throw strikes? Because even more so than velocity, you know, that Tommy John recovery can cost you some of that command and some of that control. And to, so, so to see, you know, to see the fireballer Puck come back and still be the fireballer and to see the command artist Jeffries come back and still just completely dominate the strike zone, 30, you know, 37 strikeouts to two walks right now in double a and 34 innings that's i mean that boy that's that's exciting to see both of those guys come back and still be doing exactly what you hope they're going to going to be doing you know uh, um uh absolutely as best as it can be done really yeah no that's the most impressive thing about jeffries because people forget he he really missed uh, almost a solid two years because he had some setbacks after the tommy john so not to really be back on the mound for two years and then to come out and demonstrate the kind of command he has you know, is is really a great sign. And the other guy there at Double uh, A Midland, who's kind of been his hand of pitching partner, is Grant Holmes. He'd suffered from a lot of shoulder injuries. He was out most all of last year dealing with shoulder injuries. He was sidelined a little bit earlier in this year with the shoulder barking again. But he's gotten back on the mound. He's been pitching well lately. Last I looked, he'd given up, I think, one earned run in his last 15 innings. So it's good to see that uh, Grant Holmes is at least healthy and uh, doing a good job on the mound in, in Midland again. Yeah, it's you know going to be interesting to see what kind of pitcher he turns out as. He's not really striking anyone out right now, but, I mean, he's getting the job done, um, you know, and, and his peripherals aren't that ridiculous. It's not like he's, you know, only given up three hits and, you know, 100 innings or something. You're like, oh, what's going to change? You know, It'll be interesting to see over the, over the long term. First off, having already gone back on the on the injured list once, can he stay healthy for the rest of the season? Can he stay healthy for multiple seasons at a time, et cetera? And then, yeah, and, and then from there, you know, he's been around in the system for a couple of years. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, uh, what, what he becomes as he moves up. Uh, let's talk about a couple other guys real quick before we move on. Uh, at Stockton, we've got a couple of interesting guys coming back. And, of course, James Caprillion has always been of great interest since the A's acquired him from the Yankees. He's been throwing well at Stockton. He's been taking uh, taking the mound uh, you know, for his turn every time out, and he's been doing a good job, showing pretty good command out there. Uh, what, what are you thinking about uh, what, what we've been seeing out of James Caprillion at Stockton thus far? You know, he was like Jeffries where he was getting that make or break. Like it's been, you know, a couple of years. In fact, he was even, I think, a 2015 draft and he just really didn't pitch for about three years there. Um, and then all, you know, and now all of a sudden he's back, you know, well, not all of a sudden. I, I mean, it took quite a long time, but now that he is back, the stuff seems to be mostly there. Maybe not quite to that, you know, 100% extent that Puck and Jeffries were, but he's at least still throwing, it sounds like, in the mid-90s. He's still in that kind of 93, 95 sitting range. Um, the scouting reports, when he, you know, when he was drafted and becoming, you know, that really top 100 prospect had him even topping out at, you know, 98 or 99, I think. I'm not sure he's necessarily doing that, but he's at least still throwing hard. It's not like he's all of a sudden working at 90 or 92 and, you know, going to have to figure out another way to get out. He's still a guy who's, who's going to, you know, bring a little bit of heat. Yeah, I think he's I think he's been able to get up around 94 anyway. So that's good. Obviously, he's been out for two and a half years since he pitched. It's going to take him a little while 
build up his strength, obviously. But he's also been showing good command for a guy who's been on the sidelines for as long as he has. Now, the other guy there at Stockton that's uh, kind of intriguing, not as well known, is Gus Varland. Um, he really made a mark last year late in the season, uh, pitching at Vermont and Beloit. And the A's really got excited about him. They were really eager to push him along and see him go. But he had that knee surgery in the spring. And he just recently got back into action at Stockton. But he's been looking good there as well. Yeah, and I mean, not to be—I mean, not to be dismissive of any kind of you know injury. Obviously, every part of the body is important when you're doing anything in sports. But when you're thinking about a pitcher, you know, an arm injury is obviously going to be the worst thing you can have. And so, um, a lot of these guys are out with these serious arm injuries. So, hey, silver lining. I mean, it, you know, it's it's it wasn't that for him. But I mean, your knee is still very important too, of course. Um, not a whole lot to say about him yet, just because he's only come back for three games so far. But I mean, the fact that he's back and pitching is obviously the good sign and what you're looking for. And hey, you know, two of those three games were pretty good. Um, you know, up at the highest level he's ever been. You know, just straight out of the draft last year. Now, now up in high A. So that's sort of the accelerated uh, uh, track that you would expect from a draftee. You know, the top ones go to high A, and the and, and the rest of them go to single A for that first year in Beloit. Um, and so, hey, you know, two out of three games, he's been, you know, he's been holding his own uh, in Stockton. So, you know, he's one to watch for the rest of the year, certainly. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do the rest of this year. And I know a lot of people in the A's front office are very excited to see what he can do as well. Uh, now, I know left-hander Hogan Harris has finally gotten into action at, at, at Vermont as well. He's just pitched in a couple games. But uh, uh, so that's good to see as well. But let's move on to some of the uh, some of the minor league affiliates. Uh, now, now that we've uh, now that we've covered all those exciting pitching prospects that will hopefully be moving along free of setbacks on 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 the expressway to the A's before long. Uh, let's take a look at some of the uh, some of the minor league affiliates, starting off with AAA Las Vegas, where, you know, just pretty much everybody in the lineup has been hitting the cover off the ball there at Las Vegas this year. I think I think the team has been averaging almost seven runs a game. And I think they've been they've been giving up almost six runs a game there. So it's definitely been a, been a very uh, high scoring environment there in Las Vegas so far this year. Certainly, I and mean, boy, is that a change for you know Ace fans following our AAA team because it was the opposite for the last few years. You know, yeah. out in Nashville, that played as such a pitcher's park that you know it was making uh, some some of the fringe pitching prospects look great, and then they'd get up maybe to Oakland, and, and you you know they'd be exposed a little bit, and then some of the hitting prospects, you almost wondered where they take a little longer to get up because it's just so much harder to put up numbers there. Right, uh, and and so really, th- there's this twofold difference that we have to adjust to as we're looking at these AAA hitting process or really any anyone in AAA right now and so the first part of that is moving from Nashville over to Las Vegas which which is of course a much better hitting environment which we'll get to in a sec and then the second one is changing the ball from the old AAA ball they used yeah. to use to more major league style ball and so having talked to a couple of players in the clubhouse who have played in AAA, who've done both, who've played in AAA this year and also in Oakland, you know, it does sound like it makes a bit of a difference. I mean, the the ball carries more, and you can see that very plainly in the Pacific Coast League home run rates. I mean, they have skyrocketed across the board. Yeah. You know, le- league-wide homers are, I mean, I haven't, you know, I, I kind of do a calculation every so often I, in the last week or two, I think it did. It's, it's something like it's usually in give or take 40 you know, plate appearances for Homer, and now it's like 25. I mean, it is an enormous difference in his home run rate, uh, uh, both because the ball carries more 
And then also, I guess, you know, any, any time you change the equipment, it moves differently, which was another one of the pieces of feedback that I heard was that, uh, uh, the reason that it was one of the biggest adjustments as you're moving from AAA to the majors was because you really were using a different piece of equipment that, you know, you just got to adjust to, uh, uh, how the ball maybe moves differently in flight or whatever. Um, and so bridging that gap a little bit is an interesting result of this, that it removes one of the big adjustments you have to make when you go from the minors to the majors you're already at least used to the ball. But in the meantime, what it does as we look at these stats is it explains some of the power surge across the league. And then on top of that, on the team-specific side, moving from Nashville, which might very possibly be the biggest pitcher's park in the Pacific Coast League, and now going to Las Vegas in the elevation and the dry air. And the players were saying the same thing about that, which is that, you know, of course, that's also going to make balls move differently, like you hear about in Coors Field. You know, all these years that some of the, you know, some of the breaking balls or whatever will, um, uh, you know, will move differently, and so you're not, you know, you're going to get a different effect from any elevation than you'll get everywhere else in the country. Yeah, um, I, 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 and then on top of that, the, the launching pad of, you know, the heat and the dry air and everything that makes the ball just fly more. Yeah, absolutely. If, if people aren't clear and haven't, haven't read about this, basically, you know, the major league ball is one kind of ball. The minor league ball is another kind of ball. And this year they've started using the major league ball in AAA. And so we've had this, as you said, Alex, an abundant increase in home runs in AAA. I know at one point when I was looking at it, it looked like they were up about 50% at one point in the season. So, you know, with this major league ball, which we all know, Seems to be a little juiced now being in play in AAA. You've got a lot more offense, a lot more balls flying out of every park in AAA. And as Alex mentioned, Las Vegas is definitely a much better environment for hitters than Nashville was. I remember when I was in Nashville, I felt like I had a hard time just walking through the humidity there. And I couldn't imagine, you know, trying to hit a ball through it, you know. <laughs> and in, in Vegas, the air is so light, it's like you're walking on, on air there, you know. So it's a, it's a completely different environment. And so many of the A's um, hitting prospects there, like I said, they've just been hitting the cover off the ball. I mean, Sky Bolt's been, you know, got a slugging percentage like in the 360s and Franklin Barreto's been just on a tear this month, and Jorge Mateo's been hitting great all, all season, and Sheldon Noisy has been on an absolute tear of, of late, too. Uh, you know, these guys are just all really, really, uh, you know, enjoying themselves this year at the plate out there in Vegas. Now, of course, having said all that and, and put all these asterisks on why so many of these players are going from off years last year to all of a sudden all breaking out and, and just, you know, hitting homers left and right this year, um, is that the answer is probably somewhere a little more in the middle because for, for it seems to me like for every bit that these new uh, environmental effects are driving some of the success, I feel like some of what you're saying in Nashville was doing it in the other direction. And right. so some of what we saw last year was really not a, a true reflect. If you feel like, hey, the numbers are inflated this year, well, you got to remember they were deflated last year right. and a couple years before that too. And so – you know, I wouldn't just look back and say, oh, well, you know, some of these guys like Mateo or Noisy are, are really, you know, these below average hitters like they were. No, I think that, I mean, I can't say for sure. It's not like I was at all the games, but I, I just, it's probably not a coincidence, you know, that everyone struggled in one place, everyone's doing great in the other place. Um, and, and so it's not, the point isn't to completely write off all of these gains. It's just, 
to realize, you know, how much of an effect some of these things have, and also to take a little solace. Hey, yeah, these guys can play. Some of these, some of these hitting prospects who are having off years, yeah, they really can play. You just got to take them out of a place, you know, that that just crushes hitters' souls apparently. Well, well, I think it's just because yeah. you know Mateo and Noisy both had to have their first. They were both kind of pushed along a bit to play in AAA last year. That was a bit of a push, and their first year in AAA was in a really difficult environment for hitters, and they both struggled tremendously. But now they're in their second year in AAA. They're in a great hitters' environment, and they've learned a lot from having a year of struggles at AAA too. You know, you you learn and you grow and adapt as a player. I think they've had the opportunity to do that, and now they're in an environment where they can put it into use and have some success and, and gain some confidence. I mean, Mateo in particular, you know, he's leading the whole the whole league in triples, and he's leading leading the team in both extra base hits and and stolen bases, and he's been hitting around 320 most of the year. And Noisy lately, he's been on such a tear. He's he's one of the team leaders in walks. And uh, last I looked, he had an on-base percentage of up around 400. So no matter what the environment is like, those are still pretty pretty solid numbers to be putting up. Yeah, and for what it's worth, last place in the Pacific Coast League in scoring this year by a wide margin is the Nashville Sounds again. <laughs> totally different team, you know, totally different group of players, still last place in hitting. It's got something to do you know, with, with that hitting environment, it just does, it just seems to drag things down a bit, which, you know, as some places do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. You know, like, like you say, some of these, some of these Vegas hitters, and of course the, I mean, he's not technically a prospect now, but he's still functionally as one as Franklin Barreto, mm-hmm. who, boy, you know, we've been waiting for him for, for a few years in AAA now. And the thing you keep waiting for is for those strikeouts to come down and, you know, you know cross your fingers over the last month, they're, they're kind of finally starting to do that. Um, yeah, you know, uh, w- w- when it was, well, you know, I looked a couple of days, but when he, you know, something like the last, you know, 100 plate appearances and, you know, it was a 18% strikeout rate or something, which is much lower than that 30% that he's been running for so long, which is just, an, it's not a number that you, that you can bring up to the majors with you because it's going to go up in the majors and, and you just got to make more contact than that. Yeah. Um, the la- last I looked, he had a, uh, his on base percentage was up in the 380s too, which was, which was good to see as well. So, uh, people forget, like, like you said, people don't think of him as a prospect anymore, but he's still just 23. So, you know, let's not send him out to the old age home just yet. You know, he's, he's still got, he's still got some time to, 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 to get there. And yet it looks like he's been really figuring it out lately. Let's, uh, let's move on to Midland and, and take a look at what's been going on there. I'm not quite so many high-profile prospects, but I think there's a couple of really interesting uh, guys there, particularly on the pitching staff. You've got 6'9", righty Brian Howard, who's been really doing a, a really solid, really consistent job, just sort of turning in solid efforts every time out. I think his uh, ERA has been in the low threes, maybe around 330 um, uh, lately, much of the last month. And, you know, he, again, he's, he's 6'9", so he's a really interesting uh, physical specimen to look at. But what do, what do you think about what we've been seeing out of Brian Howard at Midland in the early going? Well, of course, anyone who's followed the you know prospect watch on Athletics Nation knows that Howard is one of my very favorites. Uh, he, he came out huge after his draft, just like Parker Dunchy did. Now Dunchy's made it up a little higher in the system now, um, but you know Howard Howard's been having another perfectly good year. The walk rate has crept up a little bit, you know, while he's been, he's been while he's been in the upper minors. So you know we'll see what it takes to get him up to AAA, which of course is going to be the real test, just like it has been for Dunchy. You know if you can walk into that kind of hitting environment and have any kind of success, then that's 
you know, that says a lot. Uh, and Dunchy has been a little bit uh, hot and cold uh, in his time up there. But, hey, you know, I mean, Howard's having a perfectly fine year again, just like he did last year. And so it'll be, you know, all, all you can say about that is let's see what he does when he when he gets up to the you know throw him in the fire triple a yeah no i'm really looking forward to seeing what he can what he can do when he gets to triple a there's always a little bit of adjustment period when guys get there but but i'm i'm really intrigued to, to see what he can do when he does get the opportunity i think on the other side of the ball uh on the uh, on the offensive side in midland the, i think the most intriguing position player prospect there has got to be luis Pereira. he's mainly been playing center field uh for the Rockhounds this year He's been hitting, I think, in the three, 320s for much of the season. He's got 11 triples already, um, uh, which obviously leads the team. And he's, he's got a lot of speed. The guy can really fly around the bases and really fly around the outfield. So I, I think Luis Pereira has really been putting up a, putting up a good, solid year and, and uh, making a mark uh, in Midland this season. Yeah, you know, he's definitely the top uh, position prospect on that team right now. There's a couple of the pitchers we talked about or maybe a little higher up the list on that side, but Barrera uh, easily the top on the position side. Now the key with him, of course, is that he's already on the 40 man roster. They had to put him on last mm-hmm. winter for the rule five protection. And so, so that he wouldn't get taken away like Richie Martin did. And so, you know, with him, you look and you say, Hey, now he's, he's burning an option here already. You know, he's still in double A. Is he a guy that you want to, you know, get up to triple A as soon as he can right. so that he's not wasting too many option years finishing off his development in the minors. Now that'll be tough because there's a lot going on in the outfield in Vegas too. You know, I mean, even going up to Oakland where you've got guys like Canna and Pinder really sitting on the bench a whole lot because I mean, there's just so much, so many outfielders up there who deserve playing time that that's crowded there. And then you get into triple A and you got Bolt and Martini and Fowler and Mark Payton's playing well. And so that's full there. And so it's like, Hey, you know, at some point you got to get Barrera up into triple A, you know, he's putting up great year. He had that quick, uh, quick snow on the injured list, but must've come back from that. All right. You know, he's putting up, I mean, excellent numbers, everything you could hope for to see out of him, the high average, you know, uh, uh, some extra base power. He's hit a few homers. He still doesn't strike out too much. Um, you know, and, and it's everything that you wanted to see out of him. And so at some point you got to get him up and, and see if he can keep making that march up to the majors. Cause there is a clock ticking there right. more so than with some other guys. Yeah. Well, like I say, I think we're going to see him move along uh, quickly one way or another, pretty much because uh, they've got, they've got to move him along quickly at this point. And, and he's certainly been earning the opportunity. All right, let's move on to Stockton, which is an interesting team this year. Of course, we mentioned, you know, Trillian there and Chris Ireland and AJ Puck was there. Um, but, you know, uh, another interesting picture there this season is the guy the A's just drafted last year, Brady Feigl, who has really been one of the most consistent starters in the A's system this year. It's like every time he goes out, he gives up two, three runs, strikes out a bunch of guys, keeps the team in the game. He's just been a remarkably consistent pitcher, especially for a guy who was just drafted last season. He's, he's really been one of the most impressive uh, pitchers in the A's minor league system so far this season. You know, the A's have done a really good job of this last few years, picking these uh, uh, in the middle rounds of the, you know, maybe not middle, the, but but not the not the first few rounds, but in that sort of five to fifteen round right. range, picking some of these college starting pitchers, these polished college guys who just come out and you know start start dominating or 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 just at least pitching really well uh, right from the get go and move their way up the system quickly. And we saw it with Dunshee and Howard, and then you know now we're seeing it with Gus Varro, and we were saying. Uh, in, in Stockton, and now Feigl is another one who didn't. Uh, he, he 
did similarly well to Varland, but not quite. I mean, Varland got up to Beloit uh, even faster than Feigl did last, uh, you know, after the draft last year. But Feigl did get at least a couple games up there, and, and overall had a really good performance. You know, second to Varland probably out of that draft class uh, last year. And now this year has been able to pitch all year, whereas Varland had to wait a couple months uh, for that knee surgery. And, you know, the question with some of these guys is they do really well in the lower minors. Are they going to be able to keep it up at the higher levels or do they stall out as they get to some of this tougher competition? And, of course, the answer to some of them could be and end up moving to the bullpen. That's something that we've heard about Wyatt Marks since he was drafted, really, was is this a guy who ends up going to the bullpen you know, by the time he makes it up to the highest level. Um, you hear that about Feigl sometimes too, but in the meantime, you know, they'll stay in the rotation as long as they can. And if, you know, and if it keeps going well all the way up, then, you know, then maybe you see him as a starter in the majors. Uh, but yeah, Feigl's got some, you know, some certainly interesting stuff and he's got a little velocity behind him. Uh, so he's not just out there throwing smoke and mirrors. Um, so it'll be, you know, he, he's certainly one of the names to watch there. Yeah, he's def- definitely fun to watch as he progresses through the system uh, rather quickly so far anyway. Of course, in Stockland, there, there's a number of top position player prospects there. And what, what's interesting is pr- the one who's probably been performing best this season is, is one that people didn't have a lot of offensive hopes for, and that's Nick Allen. You know, he's always been known as a glove first, defense first, shortstop. He really, you know, didn't didn't hit that much at, at Beloit last year. And, you know, I think a lot of people were starting to get a little down on his, you know, ability to be, a, a, you know, an offensive force. But this year at Stockton, you know, he's been hitting the 290s most of the year. And believe it or not, who would have guessed Nick Allen would be leading Stockton in extra base hits all season, you know? And so, so you know, things have – I'd heard in spring training, everybody kept telling me I was hitting the ball with much more authority, he's hitting the ball much harder. But, you know, I mean, it, it really has played out this season for him. Well, you know, this is just a, another lesson in having extra patience with those high school draft picks. You know, Allen is one of those where, I mean, you got this guy, and especially when he's carrying that undersized label, where even, you know, he's, he's starting at even more of a disadvantage, where, uh, I, I mean, you, you know, you, you see a guy like that, you know, in the in that debut season uh, in a place like Beloit, where it's already hard enough to hit. No one really puts up huge numbers at Beloit. Um, and so just to see him walk up and, and put up sort of a meh, you know, not that great uh, season in that first year, that really didn't, that shouldn't have meant a lot to us. That shouldn't have told us a whole lot. That that was probably to be expected. And especially when you started to go in and look a little deeper and see that he actually hit pretty well in the second half. It was really just a, a bummer of a first half. Um, and so really we're talking about one bad half in Beloit that made him a bit of a forgotten man. And so when you're, you know, when you're the defense first prospect, which is, you know, hard for, for us to follow in the minors because there aren't a whole lot of metrics available for that. And even the metrics in the majors aren't, uh, you know, aren't completely reliable, um, at least in the small samples. And so, you know, you get a guy who's already a defense minded player, you know, and you start him 18, 19 years old. Um, in, in a, an aggressive assignment up to Beloit, you know, instead of uh, instead of being in Vermont last year at age 19, and, and you add all these things together, and you, you know, we sh- no one really should have been too hard on him for that that mediocre first season in Beloit. Um, but that said, boy, you know, is what he's doing in Stockton interesting, uh, especially putting up some of that extra base power. You know, 150 on the isolated slugging is, I mean, that's not you know, that's not Matt Olson or anything, but it's I mean that's a, a pretty reasonable number for your for your glove for a shortstop. 
Oh, definitely, without without a doubt. And, you know, there's nothing – no one can be anything but excited about what they've seen out of Nick Allen at the plate this season, that's for sure. But before we wrap up, we definitely have to touch on the two – the two really high-profile hitting prospects at, at Stockton, and uh, uh, that's uh, Lazaro Armenteras and Austin Beck. Let's start with uh, with the Lazaro. Uh, you know, I was talking to A's assistant general manager Billy Owens recently, and he told me that he sort of sees uh, Lazaro as a, as a true uh, three-outcome uh, uh, hitter. And you know, coincidentally, he's currently leading Stockton with uh, with 11 home runs, leading Stockton with 42 walks, and leading Stockton with 120 strikeouts. So he, he really is looking like that that three outcome hitter at this point. Yeah, you know, both of these guys really are are carrying some similar profiles in a lot of ways. There are a couple of differences between them, but the one thing that's really standing out to me the most is those strikeout rates. They, I mean, they just got to come down. Now, again, just like with Allen. Same conversation, uh, you know. They're they're all the same age. Allen and Beck coming out of the same draft, coming out of high school, and 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 Lazaro um, signing out, of, you know, internationally. But uh, you know, he, he's same age with them right there too. So they're all twenty this year in Stockton, which is already young for the league. And so I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not completely discouraged by flaws in the stat line, but there are things, you know where you can clearly see what there is to work on. And for both of those guys, it's making more consistent contact. It's not just the strikeout rate. It's also the swinging strike rate. They're both up at, you know, over 17% of the pitches they see are swinging strikes. And that's just, I mean, that's an enormous rate. You know, right. when you're in the majors and you see a guy in even just in double digits, that's going to be, you know, you're getting up into the into the higher end. You know, to me, the, the first thing I need to see cleaned up is that. And when you do start making more contact, you know, you're going to have some more stuff fall in for hits. You know, you, you're going you're gonna to connect more. Uh, and, and see a few, a few more of those homers fly out. But at least in the meantime, even while they are struggling to make that contact, you know, they're both hitting for some power, Lazaro more so. But, you know, Beck, you know, 191 on his isolated slugging as well. That's, you know, that's all right. Um, uh, uh, Beck isn't walking quite as much. But if you remember, you know, he also was one who, who didn't put up big numbers last year in uh, in Beloit, just like Beck, whereas Lazaro had a, a really good year in Beloit. Right. But uh, so so just to see Beck make progress from that, get that average up, you know, start hitting for some power because he really what he hit like he only hit like one or two homers in Beloit last year. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, he's already he's already yeah, tripled he only, that he, output. <laughs> yeah, and so just to see him get some, you know, just to see him making some real progress on that stuff is that's what you're looking for on these guys because again, if these guys went to college, I mean, they what they drafted in uh, 17, so they'd be uh, they would have just figured out they, they'd be starting their junior year. They'd be getting drafted next summer if they were coming out of college, and so that's kind of the perspective I try to keep on on that uh, on the age conversation like that is think of it like a guy who would have been drafted next year, um, and then you realize sort of they're not they're not too far behind the curve at all. They're actually making some perfectly decent progress. You know, you just want to keep seeing them move forward and move up, uh, and, and as long as they keep getting better. They're doing fine. Yeah, you always have to keep age in mind. You know, it, it is a it, it, it is a sort of progression curve, and you you've got to think about where these guys are on the uh, on the age timeline. It's it was good to see uh, Beck recently had a uh, an eleven game hitting streak in May and June in stock. So it's just good to see him, you know, at least getting in that mode where he's making consistent contact uh, with the bat and you know putting the ball in play on a regular basis. Unfortunately, we don't have too much time to get into Beloit. Uh, before we wrap, I do want to mention the, the one really interesting story there this year has been pitcher Aiden McIntyre from from Davis. 
who, uh, at least as of recently, was leading all A's minor league starting pitchers in, in ERA and strikeouts. He was striking out about, I think, 13 and a half guys per nine innings. So he's been an interesting story at Beloit, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about him a little more in the future. But I want to thank you for taking time to, to, to help me uh, take a midseason look at all the A's minor league affiliates today. It's always, uh, always great chatting with you, Alex. Hey, you as well, Bill. Thanks a lot for having me. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find daily updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 